Yo, what is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Big Four Podcast. My name is Luke Spring. I'm the usual Brian Nick and Andrew. How you guys doing tonight? I'm sad. To play. It's it's a little disappointing waking oh, up. Oh yeah, and disappointing a, day. The the, the Sox, Sox didn't get their opening day. Postponed. Okay, hey. In the words of our good friend Steve Peralt, Friday opening days are cooler. That's what he tweeted out. I don't know if anyone saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but yeah. We are your number two for all things sports. Go follow us on Instagram. Or if you know, you know, go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Big Four underscore podcast. We have a decent amount to talk about. Like we just said, the MLB is back. Opening day was today. Unfortunately, not for the Red Sox. We have to wait until tomorrow, but that's okay. You know, I'm fine with it. They had an off day uh, yeah, yeah, uh, slated for tomorrow anyway. So whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, the NBA is still chugging along. Um, unfortunately the Celtics aren't, but that's okay. We'll get to them later. Ugh. It's not gonna be fun, but first we'll start with probably the biggest thing that's going on right now. And that is the F- NCAA men's basketball final four. We had some, uh, not so great elite eight games until the Michigan UCLA game. And that was a really, really good game. Nick, since you're a big UCLA fan, do you want to talk about that game? for a little bit first yeah it was it was all about johnny buckets johnny juzang kentucky transfer sophomore he was unbelievable once again played great against michigan state and then played really good against uh byu and then he came in against uh michigan and played his butt off again 28 points and i mean he was the heart and soul of this offense they had really didn't have any bench scoring so it was just all came down to juzang and he got it done uh helped that michigan was you know wasn't had a little bit of an off night, but that's that's what happens when you uh, when you're in a, when eleven seeds make these kinds of runs or lower seeds, I guess higher seeds if you will, make these kinds of runs deep into tournaments. It, you, there's there's some aspect of luck involved in you know making these kind of runs. You got to catch good teams on off nights if you want to be able to beat them because Alabama and Michigan are significantly better teams than UCLA, especially UCLA without Chris Smith. They haven't had him all year, but regardless, he's he was their best player going in. They he got injured like three games in, and that is you know that's it's it's going to be tough to beat those kinds of teams. And um, there's so there's going to be an aspect of catching a team on an off night and UCLA was able to do it twice. <laughs> now they got Gonzaga and I don't think they can catch Gonzaga on an off night three times in a row. I don't think that'll happen, but it's a great run for UCLA. Fantastic run all the way. And I think Juzang is, um, I think NBA teams should start considering taking this guy. Um, you know, this is kind of like a Carson Edwards type run that we saw with him in Purdue where his draft stock instantly rose when he started, you know, playing well in the tournament and, you know, Juzang's putting teams on notice right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like his game a lot. He is a 6'6 guard, which is pretty much what NBA teams love to see. Um, he has great handles. And what I thought was really interesting and kind of odd was, um, I don't know if this was uh, Juwan Howard's decision. I don't know. I don't know whose decision it was. But for most of the game, they had Eli Brooks on Johnny Juzang. And now Eli Brooks is a really good defender. But Juzang is 6'6", and Eli Brooks is 6'1". So Juzang, a lot of his points came off of mid-range, where he just either stepped back or, or kind of just shot over his defender, which in most cases was Eli Brooks at 6'1". And a 5-inch difference in terms of shooting over a defender is a lot. And I, I don't know, if, if I were Howard, I would have put someone like... Uh, Wagner on him, even though Wagner might be a little bit less um, of a defender than Brooks is. That's a height uh, matchup. That's a lot more favorable for Michigan. This is where they like um, miss Livers, right? This is where this is where Livers would come exactly. In a more. So that's where the Livers would have then Livers would have been huge. They would have definitely put him on, but instead they had to go to Brooks, who is five inches shorter than Juzang, and and because of that, Juzang was able to create separation a lot easier. And even if he didn't create separation, he was able to shoot over Brooks, who again is five inches shorter than him. So I don't know whose plan it was. Um, I wouldn't have had it that way. I think that's kind of what killed them because honestly, other than him, um, Tiger Campbell had a good game, especially defensively too. He had a good game defensively yeah. on Mike Smith um, yeah. and then offensive offensively. He played pretty well too, but other than those two, and it was really juicing cause he almost had 30, 
everyone else wasn't doing that much. So if you held Juzang to, I don't know, 20, 22, if you put Wagner on him, like he he's not getting those same shots he was against Brooks if Wagner was on him. And then that uh, that forces guys like Jules Bernard and, and Haquez, who who didn't have great games, to start shooting more if, if Juzang couldn't get those shots that he would get against Brooks. I don't know. It, it was an impressive game, but it was just, that was just the one thing that I was watching and I was very confused about on the defensive end by Juwan Howard in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it really just comes... This, this happens a lot in March Madness. It really just comes down to matchups. And, I mean, those are the players that Michigan had. Um, I don't know if Wagner would have been... I think he could have done all right. I mean, who knows? But, I mean, when you have a guard that's 6'6", it creates, it creates a tough matchup for the other team because... I mean, there's not a lot of guards that tall. I mean, when you have a guard five inches shorter, like you said, I mean, it's really tough. So you can just rise up, like you say, get that mid-range shot. And it was just clicking for him. So if if it if it's working for him, then just keep feeding him the ball because that matchup's working perfect for him. Yeah, and I think um, part of the reason why Juwan Howard called for Brooks to defend Juzang, called for Brooks to stand up for that task. Was A, he thought Brooks could handle it. Um, Brooks is one of the leaders on Michigan's team, especially without livers. He's one of the leaders on the court. Senior captain. Right. He gets it done. Uh, a lot of his teammates have a lot of trust in him. He knows, Juwan knows that Brooks is a good defender. And he went with the guy that he thought could do the job. He didn't want to uh, entrust the defensive duties into really anyone else. Um especially in the Elite Eight, right? Such a big atmosphere, such an important environment, such an, a, a very good game, very a very important game to the tournament to get you to the Final Four. That's what you're working for. And I, he, went to the, he, he, he went to his gut. He said, you know what? Brooks is a guy that I think can best defend Ju Zhang. He's a leader. He brings intensity. Uh, he gets guys riled up on the floor. He, you know, he's, he, he's, he's the center of momentum swings on the court. And he was that. There was actually one moment where he did change momentum with a nice little, a couple, nice couple of layups down low in a short period of time, which was really good for Michigan. But you know, all in all, Juwan said, "You know what? We're just going to go with the guy that I trust the most, the guy that can lead this team. We're going to go with Eli Brooks to defend Juzang because um, it's a very important game, and Juzang's the heart and soul of UCLA's offense." Yeah, and Michigan really struggled offensively, especially with Wagner only having, I think, four, and then Mike Smith only had three. Um, and then with the foul trouble of UCLA's bigs, Riley and uh, the other one. Nuba who's, 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 didn't get Nuba? into foul trouble. I thought he did. I thought he had like not, four at the end really. of the game. Not, I thought he, he did. Was, he's, he's, he was a non-factor. He, they, they, he put him – he was – sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me rephrase. So going into the game, he was really a non-factor in the tournament, and uh, he's the biggest guy on the team. So – Cronin put him in when Riley got foul trouble, and then he kept him in because it was working against uh, against Dickinson. So, well, so I that's would. Why kept, that's why he kept Nuba in. Nuba, he was Nuba's fouls didn't really matter too much. Uh, didn't really accumulate too much just because he's he's expendable. He's a non-factor. Um, but anyways, I think that they should have done that. I, I think they should have um, went to Dickinson earlier especially with the foul trouble that the, the bigs were in. Um, Riley ended up fouling out. N- Nuba had three, um, which I guess is a little bit foul trouble. I don't know when he had those three, but three um, is, is something that you he don't want to get. He played the most minutes he played all year. It was. I think they said he averaged that was like the most 10 minutes he'd played all season. Yeah, all, I think they career. said... I think they said he averaged around like 10 minutes a game and he got 21 in that game just because Riley was in foul trouble the and issue ended with, up uh, fouling out. And then ETN got some minutes too. ETN got a couple of minutes because of that foul trouble and Mac yeah. ETN saw the last of his tournament career against or tournament season against Michigan State when he was just god awful. Huh. But Macron yeah. said, all right. Macron said, all right, you know what? You're done. Um, that was just a horrible performance by ETN. Only a freshman though. He has some upside. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't know this. But he was like he's like a top he was like a top fifty high school player, really going into UCLA. Yeah, I just said no or top. I think he was top one hundred. I I mean, he might not have been top fifty, but he was top one hundred. He was on that ESPN list. And I don't think he's that good. He's never been that good for the team this year. But regardless, 
Um, but yeah, I think that they should have gone to Dickinson super early because um, clearly shooting from the outside wasn't working for them at all. Um, they they kind of struggled out there. Brooks had had a decent game. He only had eight, but like Dickinson was their high score with 11. And then Johns had eight and Brooks had eight. And then Sean D. Brown had eight. And then everyone else had below that. Like it was not a very good game overall shooting wise. Um, some of that was credited to uh, UCLA's defense. They did a really good job of protecting three point line. Um, so they, they were able to, especially down the, down the stretch, they were um, giving up layups to Dickinson, but I think they were fine with it at that point. Like they just needed to not let Michigan hot, get hot from three and they were going to stay in that game. And that's kind of what they did. They just near the end, they were just like, okay, fine. We'll get, we'll give Dickinson these, these layups as long as they're not getting hot from three, then we're still good. Um, but yeah, I, I, it was, it was a tough game for Michigan, but UCLA, UCLA played really well. Um, They've just shown that they can play really well down the stretch. I mean, overtime against Alabama without their best player, down the stretch against Michigan. Like, in my opinion, I thought, especially when Dickinson was getting those points in the paint later on and they were starting to come back, I thought it was going to be okay. UCLA hung on for a decent amount um, in this game, and then Michigan was just going to, you know, once they took get the hot lead, from- I was like, all right. Yeah, I thought good game. I thought, you know, Whatever. last five minutes Michigan would have win by like eight or nine points and then they'd get like a ten point win or something like that. But credited to UCLA, they hung in there. And again, I want to go back to Tiger Campbell. He played a really good game. After most of Michigan's buckets, he used pretty much almost the entire ten seconds to get the ball across half court and then waited to call sets. Like he was very good at he's a very good point guard now. He was a very good game manager and allowed them to kill a lot of clock when they were up. Um so he did a really good job of that. And then he had a lot of really good tough drives. He had some t- really tough um mid range shots, especially one against over Dickinson, I think on one of the baselines or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was really that was a really tough, tough shot. Um, so he played a really good game. And then just to uh, go into the final four, um, I mean, I said it against Michigan. I didn't think they had a shot. Gonzaga is a completely different team. I don't think they have a shot this time, but who knows? I said that about Michigan, but Gonzaga's just like, they could honestly beat the Pistons. Like, again, that's an exaggeration. I don't think any yeah. college team could beat a vast NBA team because they're all NBA players, but still. Gonzaga is ridiculous. They they score at all levels, and we've talked about them before. We don't need to go into them more. Um, but unfortunately, Nick, I don't think UCLA will make it out again. I didn't think that about Alabama, and I didn't think about that about Michigan. Gonna but, win it all. Yeah, I think that they're too good. The best team. <laughs> early the best on, team. Um, you know, I didn't get. I I saw a little bit of them early in the year because of their non conference schedule, but. Because of their conference, they're not on TV all the time, so I didn't get to watch them. And I thought their lack of schedule in that conference would hurt them, so I had them out early to their standards, like out in the Elite Eight, which isn't really that early, but compared to how they're playing now, that's pretty early. Uh, but they've they've just shown that they're far and away the best team. Again, they haven't played a ton of, of competition. Um, they've played a, a, six, a five seed is the highest they've had to play because... Iowa in Kansas round of 32 and then Virginia lost to Ohio. So um, they, they haven't had to play a ton, but I just think like beating any college basketball team, especially that uh, high rank by 20 plus every night is ridiculous, but we don't have to go more into that game. The next game or the, actually that is the last game. The first game is Houston Baylor. And I think this has potential to be a really, really good game. I know um, not a lot of you are high on Houston. I'm I'm usually not that high on Houston. They kind of don't perform well in the tournament sometimes, but they are a really really good defensive team. They should have they should have lost. I'm gonna admit they should have lost to Rutgers. Um, but after that game, since then they've been really really good defensively. And then Baylor is obviously one of the best defensive teams in in the country. So I don't know. I honestly don't know who's going to win. I could say Baylor just to go with the safe pick, but I think Houston is a really, really good team. Um, they beat Oregon State. I mean, Oregon State had a had a nice comeback, but they sustained a 20-point lead for most of that game. Yeah, I mean, 
Houston's defense has really been it's been really impressive. I mean, holding Syracuse to 46 points when they're just shooting the ball all over the place, really impressive. Um, and like you said, Baylor also a great defensive team. Um, it's good. I think it's going to be very low scoring just because of how great both defenses are. Um, it is the safe pick to go Baylor. I do think I'm going to have to stick with that. That's just my opinion. But I mean, it's going to be a lot closer than I thought it would be if I was making a bracket and they ended up in the final four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the Bears are a very deep team. You know, Butler and Teague definitely in the, definitely leading the way for the Bears, and they got a couple other assets. I don't quite know enough about Baylor to give them a full assessment, but I know that they're a very deep. They're a very um, they got a good bench. They're well coached, and if that's not saying that's not saying anything about Houston. You know, Houston's very deep. Houston's deep. You have to be a deep team. We're excluding UCLA. They're not deep at all. They didn't score a single bench point against Michigan, but. Um, the, uh, generally, you have to be a pretty deep team to make it to the Final Four. You got to be able to have some scoring off the bench. You need some guys to um, step up when you know your best players get into foul trouble, or when your rotation, you know, your rotation, you know, comes around and you're on the floor. You got to step up. So generally, you see these teams being very deep. So I'm not taking Houston for granted. I'm not a Baylor fan either, but I'm not taking Houston for granted. And I know they're a good team. They made it to the Final Four. Their road wasn't easy. Neither was Baylor's, but again, given the fact that I know I don't know a lot about either team, except that I know that Baylor is a very deep team that have a good roster and they're well coached, and the defense part is is sticks out to me a lot too. Um, gonna have to go with the Bears this time, right? Just it just it's not it's a safe pick, but if I'm being rational here, I don't think Houston really. I think Houston has a good run. Maybe the Final Four, it's always good as a two seed, but Baylor's just a different team, right? Just there's a different animal they got to take down. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, that's what I'm. Th- that's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah, Davion Mitchell, best nickname in college basketball this season. His nickname is Off Night because when he guards you, you have an off night, and he's probably going to guard uh, Quentin Grimes. And yeah. Grimes is their best scorer, co-player yeah. of the year with Etienne in the. American conference. Is that what they're in? Some American, I think. Yeah. Um, Something like but that. yeah, he, he co-player of the year in that conference, which again is a, is a pretty good conference compared to some of the lower tier conferences. Uh, so I think he's going to struggle. And then beyond him, they kind of really don't have a lot of other scores. I mean, Jero is more of a facilitator, but he can score if he needs to. Um, Baylor just has three guards who can score for 20 between Teague Mitchell and, and Butler, they can all score 20 on any given night, and then they all play fantastic defense. So I think Baylor's just too overwhelming. And like I said earlier this year, like, I don't know, in the middle of the season, I think Baylor is the best shot at taking down Gonzaga. I don't think they will be able to do it. Um, But in terms of all the teams that I saw this year and then the tournament so far, I think they do have the best shot at beating Gonzaga, um, which is a very, very tall task. You know, I think Houston is going to be a difficult beat for Baylor. And I forgot uh, what I was just talking a minute ago, that there's obviously this factor of motivation. I mean, I didn't watch much Baylor basketball. I didn't watch much Baylor tournament basketball because I figured they'd win, right? And when they're playing Villanova, I was I was golfing. <laughs> so I didn't really – I haven't really watched Baylor in the tournament. But I know Houston's a motivated team. And they feel like they they got out. I think they they made a good comeback against Rutgers. And then they, when you make a comeback like that, when you there's an aspect of luck, there's an aspect of another team choking, but you got away with one. They won the game. They finished strong and they won. You have to come out strong the next game and just blow out your opponent because you you got away with one. And they did. They did that to Syracuse, which was very impressive. Then they get to Oklahoma State, team that's rising, a team that's got a lot of motivation. Um, a team that shouldn't be taken for granted, and they they shut them. They controlled the game. They Oregon they controlled State. the whole. They controlled the whole game. Against, I mean, uh, Oregon State. They controlled the whole game against Oregon State. They did a really good job, and that advanced them into the Final Four. And I think they have some aspect of they kind of have an underdog mentality in this one. I think they know they're not favored. They know that the odds are very much against them. They know that everyone's high on Baylor, and I. Do think I mean given that given that the other game on the other side of the bracket is probably going to be a blowout. Um, worth I'm I'm saying this is going to be I I gotta get you have to kind of get amped up for this game a little more, 
just so <laughs> this Final Four isn't a complete dud of two games. So I think Houston can, you know, if they can get motivated enough, if they can get on a run, it's going to be tough for Baylor to take them down. But then again, I'm still going to, I'm still standing by the Golden Bears in this one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, this is definitely the better game of the two. Just, I mean, just because of the matchup. I mean, Gonzaga's Gonzaga. They're going to get it. They're going to do Gonzaga things. Um, that's really all you want to hope for is a good game. I think that's what we're going to get. Um, I mean, my bracket's busted. It has been since the round of 32. So I'm just looking for good games here. Honestly, um, I really hope that UCLA wins because Gonzaga was supposed to be out right now for me. So because I'm an idiot and I'm mm-hmm. dead last clinched it in the big four bracket challenge. So for all your marbles into Iowa's basket. <laughs> yeah, That's okay. That happens. That happens. It's always next year. Baseball's back. Opening day was today. (laughs) Everyone played except for the Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, and uh, Mets, 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 Mets. And to be honest, I I mean, there are still three more games. The White Sox and Angels, Astros, A's, and Giants, Mariners. So we haven't seen those teams yet. And before anyone gets angry, this is just game one. You know, if, if we say something and it doesn't happen, there's still 161 games. It, it, it's it's just don't don't baseball, this game every night. Yeah, exactly. don't take don't take us too seriously. It's game one. We can overreact take if we want seriously. to. We know a lot about baseball. We don't. If you're listening to us and you don't like overreactions, never watch ESPN. I'm just <laughs> saying. Honestly. That's full overreactions. First take uh, podcast. Least that's favorite. the whole point of people talking about sports. You got to overreact. You got to make a big deal about something that's not a big deal, or else yeah. no one's going to listen to you. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to start. I I watched the whole Blue Jays Yankees game because um, I was on ESPN and it was kind of the only game that was televised nationally. And I'm glad because the Yankees lost. Uh, boo Yankees. Uh, and Yankees looked- lose. I mean, we were talking about it before. They looked really bad. They looked really bad. Stanton, uh, I'm going to say this nicely. I don't know how to say it nicely, but I'm just going to say it. He should retire. To our Red Sox fans, he should retire. He's he's bad. He can't hit the ball, and he he's turning into. And I hate using this guy as the uh, stereotype. I wasn't going to say Chris Davis, Uh, but that's good. I was going to say Joey Gallo. I was going to say Joey Gallo. He, we always use him as the scapegoat for, for power hitters who literally can't hit for contact yeah. and hit like 217 but have 50 home runs. I don't even think Stanton's going to get 50 home runs. He, he, that man cannot he might. I could see make contact good, I with feel the like ball. Anytime he makes contact, he'll hit a home run. His last, he got booed off the batter's box after his last at-bat where oh. he got <laughs> yeah, a, had awesome. a pitch... He where he had a pitch at the letters in like right here inside, and he took like half sw- half hearted swing. He was sitting slattered down away, and he got a fastball up and in, didn't even touch Lemayhew it. You always had Lemayhew had I was tell over you that. four for the first time in like I can't even remember how long it's been. This yeah, he was over four. Judge had one hit, but he looked bad. Hicks looks bad. The only player who looked good, ironically, was Gary Sanchez. He <laughs> didn't have about Lemayhew. He though? didn't have he what. The thing about LeMayu is that he goes 0 for 4, but he has like four barrel contact line outs. No, I know, like I know. Like it's, it's like yeah, it's like it's, 0 for 4, but... Yeah. He didn't strike out. Everybody else on the Yankees, 2 through 6, combined for I remember, 13 or 14 strikeouts. Yeah, I remember vividly. That's <laughs> so bad. Yankees, Red Sox, LeMayu, and Fenway Park. I can't remember who's pitching. Well, it might have been Ricky, but he was throwing a gem. He was throwing a gem of a game. LeMayu steps up. I think I was texting Brian this, and... It's just there's two outs in the inning. I think there's runners on the corners. He's kind of in a jam in the six, and he just can't. It's just three two for like ten. Minutes. He just can't get this guy to strike out, and then he ends up getting a base hit. I'm like, you just yeah. are you kidding me right now? Yeah, he had him good. down o two, and the Mayhew just worked like two foul balls, ball, two foul balls, and then a ball, then two more foul balls, and then a ball, and then two more foul balls, and then a base hit. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. He's that type of hit. He should. I think he should have won MVP. He's the best hitter in the in the, in the American League hitter. I guess. I guess for con- if you were to take a contact hitter. A guy that just is barrel to barrel to baseball. I mean, he's the one guy that you take. It's him. 
Um, but yeah, I was just going to say, ironically, Gary Sanchez was the player that yeah. played the best. He didn't have a pass ball, which is good. That's promising. Um, and he went two for three with a home run. He looked, he looked pretty good. Again, this is just game one. And we say, we said this about the NBA season when it started back in October or whatever it was, it's just game one and, and it's not over. Actually, no, that didn't start until December. Sorry. December. December. Yeah. Uh, it's just game one and it's we're just gonna talk about what we saw now on the flip side though the blue jays also didn't look great i mean their pitching was good ryu pitched well and their bullpen was really really good um merriweather almost had a an immaculate inning but bounced one up to i forget who was at that last tour yeah i thought it was glaber Torres. but the top of their order, the first three went 0 for 14. Semyon, Bingo, yeah, and Bichette terrible, didn't, didn't play well. It was really Teoscar Hernandez who went 3 for 4. Um, Vlad went 1 for 2. Uh, nice base hit up the middle, and they and they said it, too. They've been saying it all offseason that he's lost weight and had has gotten a quicker um, swing with his bat speed, and, and he that looked hit. that on that hit. looked It looked like it. It looked like that he hit he's, needs to be. I mean, it's a base hit. It was his first step out of the year. But I, I that hit is I mean they should put that on ESPN for some reason I feel like they should put that on ESPN that was just such a good hit it was because he, he steps in the batter's box and he gets ninety one at the belt ninety seven at the belt and he just drives it right past Cole's ear like it was just and, a fantastic piece of hitting one fourteen point one I think was a number off the bat it is what it was one fourteen yeah, yeah it was just an absolute laser and second hit I was like whoa. And the next guy comes up, and it's just just the Blue Jays, good hitting, and Cole kind of misses spots. Griel comes up, gets two sliders away. So I'm thinking, all right. So it's a one and one. Cole's going to go fastball up or fastball away, and he goes slider, going down away. He misses spot, and then Griel gets a hit, and they get then they get then they start getting rolling. I don't think they I don't know. If they love scored. to see I, what I don't know if they scored, but it was one. Just, they scored one. They had three singles. Okay, three singles. So it was just a good but, piece of hitting by the Blue Jays and bad pitching by Cole that one inning. You gotta love seeing Teoscar Hernandez hitting the home run, Colgan taking out, and throwing a hissy fit in the dugout. It's <laughs> it's just it's a beautiful it's awesome. thing. It's I mean, yeah, I it's, love it. It's what you want to see as a sports fan. <laughs> Who was that Red Sox pitcher that like tore his rotator cuff throwing an out throwing his glove in the dugout? Uh, C- Carson Smith. Carson Smith. I feel like that was his name. Yeah, yeah the reliever. Oh, I remember Carson. Eduardo Rodriguez in game three of the World Series. Oh yeah, against Puig oh, when he spiked his glove. That's just such um, a bad image. Just Puig's going like this. Like that. Yeah. But just like mid throwing the glove on the mound it just looks terrible. But going yeah. back to that, uh, Vlad, because he did that. Going back to that Vlad single, um, that's something again, we're kind of over analyzing his, his at bat here, but that, that right there is a, is a good hit for, and he's only 22. So that, that showed extreme, um, patience and maturity at the plate at 22. Um, he got a lot of too. heat. He's gotten a lot of heat the last two years because he didn't really play that well. Um, but I still think there's a ton of promise in him. And between those three, between those four, honestly, with Simeon now, and then they have Springer. I mean, I said the Blue Jays are, are have a potential to win the AL East, especially if the Yankees continue to play poorly and they're going to have some major injury at some right. point in the in the middle of this. I mean, they already have freaking Luke Voigt out for or is it a month too? Something like that with knee surgery. Yeah. yeah and by the time Voight comes back, Judge will be out. Yeah. And then and I heard it, like Glaber got hurt or something. It's, just a, like, it's a, cycle. a cycle. Really? Glaber? Circle of life. What did he do? I heard someone got like hurt, like not like, but like potential. I don't. Um, every day. It's always something. Every day. Uh, like, going back to the, going back no, to Vlad. Just, just, I just saw, I, one sec. I just saw a tweet. Um, Getting rid of the universal DH for this season, but keeping the runner on second to start extra innings is just a mind-boggling choice by the MLB. Yeah, they should have kept the DH. I like the DH. DH, awesome. Yeah, Who, I like obviously, it. you want that. What? It, <laughs> I Go hate ahead, that. Nick. It makes me so mad. Base? It doesn't. I hate that. It's Going so back stupid. To, um, <sighs> Vlad. Uh, Okay, one second. Oh, we'll go on that second base. The reason I think one of the main reasons I think that the runner on second is the dumbest thing ever. As a pitcher, you're going out runner on second. First pit, first at bat, ground ball advances to third. Second at bat, ground ball he scores. You score just two a, ground balls. You could just do a ground, ground ball to the right outs. side and a sack fly. You forced two ground balls, two outs, and you've given up a run. And you've and you put your team and you put the game in jeopardy. Or lost you basically it. you basically need two strikeouts. It is 
It is terrible. It's terrible. So what that that's over. Going back to Guerrero, I think just real quick, the main the, the real the real re, the real impression that I had on that bat. I was so impressed with him on that bat just because Cole threw a fantastic. Did anyone watch the first inning? Just ESPN. Auto yeah, I watched, cut in, I watched the whole cut game. in one out in, so I didn't even get to see the first at bat. I didn't even get to see Simeon. But, I watched it on my computer. I saw the first at bat. Uh, they gave me the ESPN. First at bat I was watching some stupid like H and R Block commercial. And then oh, yeah. Jared Cole throwing around the horn. Two pitches, one out. <laughs> are you kidding me? Um, the dude in the commentary is like mid sentence when they cut in. I'm like, are you kidding me? I missed that. Um, regardless, Cole pitched great in the first inning. Went through the order like it was nobody's business. Then you get up the second part of the order, uh, and Vlad just—they're telling Vlad, Vladdy Jr. You can't get deep into counts against Garrett Cole. We all know that. This guy is one of Cy Young. He's one. He, I think he's one. Of, he's one of Cy Young, right? Uh, I don't think so. Well, he's been in contention for a Cy Young plenty of times in his career. He's won a World Series, um, whether he did it fairly or not, it's irrelevant. But he still won a World Series, and uh, he's getting paid a lot of money. He's one of the best pitchers in the league for a reason. And they're saying you can't get deep into account against Garrett Cole. And he sits, he sits dead red fastball, gets 197 at the belt, and launches with right past Cole's ear. It was a great hit. And that gets it started. And then Cole starts to struggle a little bit. And that's what that's that's the kind of it's patience, it's discipline, but it's also aggression at the same time from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And if he can display that kind of poise in the batter's box as early in his game, just little stuff like that, early in the game, get the momentum going, get a good hit. Hop on a good pitcher early. Hop on an ace early. Hit one of their best pitches early. Jump on mistakes. That kind of thing from Guerrero Jr. is what is the reason why he is in the major leagues. Is the reason why the Blue Jays were so high on him because he did that. And then he gets to the major leagues and you get flustered and he gets too aggressive and he just wants to swing the bat and get out of the batter's box as fast as he can. And that leads that led to some swing problems. And then there's the scrutiny on his weight. So Guerrero Jr. can be a great player in this league. A lot of guys can, but Guerrero's Junior, especially if he can start um, improving those those batting habits like patience, discipline, awareness, and just overall IQ of being in a batter's box and facing an ace like Garrett Cole. Yeah. Also, what is the Yankees' bullpen? I know Chapman suspended, and they threw out Tra- Chad Green today, but like Loizaga, he pitched it's well, because but he's Britain's young. Out until probably July and. Did Britain um, finally get Tommy John because he's been no Britain like fell down. A, I don't know. He like has bone chips in his elbow. The, fell on, <laughs> the guy that fell on the stairs was Ray. Robbie Ray. Never, so Britain never had bone heard, chips and um, Justin Wilson. I've name. never heard wow. of Nick Nelson before he pitched. And then no, he was for, like some old guy. Who's and like, then just kind of and then Darren. O, speaking of old Darren O'Day, who's like O'Day. 50. Darren O'Day. He's like 50. That guy is awesome. Oh, it's it's okay. like four yeah, five, they five, do. Five, they do suck, it. and it's awesome. They they suck. Their lineup, yeah, they have some power hitters, but you know who has power hitters? The Red Sox. And guess what? Our power they hitters hit three hundred. Yeah, they, they, about the they also lineup, hit for average. The thing about yeah. what makes the Yankees lap so annoying is that that's the perfect lineup for the eighty-two game, eighty-one games they play at Yankee Stadium because there's pole hitters. Right, and you play those short three hundred and ten foot porches every day. Stanton, Judge, Sanchez, Boyd, even Talkman and Greg Bird, like those Talkman guys. Two words long gone. Talkman who were, long we're gone. putting up like crazy, like home. We're putting up stupid home run numbers <laughs> yeah, Bruce, because the what? porches are so short and they're pulling it down the line. It's just the most annoying. It's the most annoying thing ever. You don't have Gardner. to be. You don't have to be good to be play well at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, they just have the perfect stadium. guys for that stadium yeah. because all you got to do is pull a baseball, pull it down the line, and you don't have to hit half, that half bad. You could probably get a broken bat home run at Yankee Stadium. I remember when Mike Napoli did that spring training for the Red Sox. I laughed my ass off when he did that. It was so funny. But regardless, you don't have to hit it hard to hit a home run at Yankee Stadium You don't have, and for a major league hitter. That's why they, that's why everyone's like, oh, watch out for the Bronx Bombers. No, they play in the most home run friendly ballpark in major leagues. All I have to do is be a pole hitter. And you've yeah, got a I mean, run. if yes. you're if you're a righty, you just stick your left hand out with the bat. Just yeah, and, you can just do the one arm yeah, flick. Like, no remember Vasquez's home run in Game Four of the ALDS? He hit it off the end of the bat, and it was a straight up pop up Game Four ALDS, yeah. and it went it went like two rows deep. Like you can right be like the, 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 like, oh, like shaggy fly ball to right at Fenway. You're you're still eighty yards. Freaking Suwei Lin, if you're the Freaking bullpen. If Sue yeah. Lin was a routine starter for the Yankees, he had like 15 home runs because all you have to do is pull it and you have a home run. <laughs> Brett Gardner Sue had Lin. like a 30 home Ridiculous. run season like two seasons ago. Brett yeah. Gardner, 30 home runs. Yeah. Second he, just, he just slaps it out there. 
They suck. So stupid. They so stupid. Third place. A Rod's three thousand. A Rod's like whatever, whatever, or not three. It's like seven hundredth home run or whatever. Or three thousandth hit happened to be like a home run or whatever. That little poke in the first row and like yeah. the three hundred ten foot mark in right field. Yeah. Fenway Fenway Park. It's a routine fly out to Mookie Betts in Yankee Stadium. That's a home <laughs> not run. Not Mookie Betts. And Yankee Stadium, that's a home run. Mario Gonzalez are French Fen- Cordero. Fenway Park, you're 70 <laughs> feet French short guy. of seats. 70 feet yeah. short of right field 380 mark if you hit a home run Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope I hope we're right because I do. I honestly think they suck. I think this basically, they're pitching. It'll be, Cole is good, but yeah. no. Who, who, else do, who else do they have that can be a solid? The Yankees are going to go at the deadline and they're going to effing like trade for like Javier Baez or Nolan Arenado and I give up tra- like a bunch of prospects because that's what the Yankees do every year. They just make no, a big trade they at the don't, deadline. They don't they trade. They just buy time. in the offseason. They're going to, they, they don't really trade. They buy in up. the offseason. They don't trade. They've been holding on to Clint Frazier for four years. And and Duhar. Where the heck is he? He's injured. (laughs) Like that's the guy who was hurt. And Duhar. He's hurt. And Duhar. But like Shella took his spot. What what the heck does he freaking Gio Shella? Even when he is Gio Shella. Okay. The Yankees, if Cole's gonna be fine, he gives up home runs, but he's gonna be fine. Um Corey Kluber hasn't pitched in over a year. So Severino's out until July, August, probably. Oh, really? I don't... Yeah, he has TJ. So same with Sales. So Kluber... But I think sales progressing faster than Garcia didn't make the roster. Garcia didn't make Davy Garcia didn't make the roster. Didn't make the roster. Next Miners. Pedro didn't make the roster. Um Corey Kluber hasn't pitched in a year. Uh, Jameson Tyone has had two Tommy Johns in the last four years. Jameson Tyone. <laughs> and uh Jordan Montgomery is Drew Pomerand. So Yeah, so yeah, then, this has really been even before the Yankees played today, I didn't think that they would I be didn't think that they were good. Hot. No. So there's is the I keep so I keep forgetting about the Rays too, but I don't think that they're going to be that good either. Um, they played the division. The division, the division honestly is did you see, really well played. Quickly, did you see that game was through seven innings in fifty eight minutes? Really, really, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it was zero zero through seven, and like yeah. both. I mean, they're both. Just, their pitching is still elite. Their pitching yeah, is like one two yeah, three. One, each team had like one hit. It was just yeah. one two three innings left and right. I think so. I think that. The division, I think, will be one. It's going to be competitive with um, Toronto and Tampa. I don't know. I like the Red Sox chances too. I do too. I just, I'm so. I don't know. Interested it's just, just it's, it's if weird. Division, if they're, if the Yankees don't perform, which I just, I, they strike out too much. They do. They do, and their pitchers are. I mean, it's the same for us pitching wise. Our bullpen is better than their bullpen. I think 100 percent better. Um, they gave us some of their guys, so thank you. Um, <laughs> they yeah, we'll we'll take Ottavino for free. Thanks. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll take Garrett Whitlock, who's an absolute unit for for free. Thanks. Um, thanks. Whitlock. I mean, our two best relievers now are our Yankees, so their problem, not ours. Um, but if same, our starters are the same way. Evaldi is is Tyone, and Richards is is Kluber. They're basically both, you know, guys who are coming off of injuries and. You hope they perform, but if our guys say our, what the difference comes down to Garrett Cole not being, you know, and here's the, here's my issue. Here's my concern with the Red Sox. I think we were, you know, I, I, I there was a while where I'm like, all right, sales coming back in June. So now we got our ace back. We're going to be sales coming off Tommy John surgery. I don't think he's going to be like all fine and dandy going sale no. day, 300 strikeouts like he did in 2018. <laughs> and he was just, you know, just unbelievable every time he went out and pitched. And you, if Mookie Bass was saying, I don't have to worry about getting a ball hit towards me because he'll strike him out or induce a weak contact, lazy ground ball, the shortstop or something. But I don't think he's going to be that guy. Again, that's what happens when you're 180 pounds and you're six six or six. is being generous. We're talking He's about like guys. Forty. <laughs> we're guys. We're talking about guys not playing I'm well, like Kluber and Tyone and Richards coming off Tommy John surgery. Well, Sale's also coming off Tommy John surgery, and I don't. I don't think our. I think our expectations of Sale need to be a little different than what they were, or at least mine. What mine were a few weeks ago, where I'm like, all right, he's going to be a race again. He's not going to be a race again. He might not be. I don't think he will. I think it's going to be Erod all the way. And Erod's coming off a of missed season, so I don't. I'm still. Uh, I know he's going to be. I know he'll be fine. But there's still the little, uh, he hasn't, you know, he's come missed a season last year. I hope he stays healthy. I hope he maintains the, the stuff he had. And 
sales still has me a little worried. Um, and then Evaldi is not an ace. He's just deep. Evaldi's your ace. You have issues in the, in the rotation of Evaldi's your ace. And um, so Evaldi absolutely cannot be the Red Sox ace. He'll and then you look at the back half of the rotation, you have Perez and mm, Perez is all right. He's a guy that can manage. He's a guy that can manage five innings, get up three runs. And then would you leave him in the sixth? And that's the blow up inning. And then you have uh, right, this Rich, Richards. Pavetta. But just, I don't, they have to, they I need have to, be, to peak. If, I need to be convinced by Erod. If Erod can convince me that he can be an ace, sub three five ERA, in the upper teens win stuff, and the Red Sox can win, have a, a like a probably like a plus six hundred, like a six hundred win percentage when their aces Erod, Evaldi, even Evaldi, yeah, I'm considering Evaldi is in this category. When those guys are pitching, and the Red Sox can maintain like a you know winning six out of every ten games when those guys pitch. Then you get the back in the, ro- the rotation, and they can hold to like a, you know, five hundred record. Yeah, then that'll convince me this team's good enough to win games. But until then, I need to see Erod pitch. I need to see Valdi pitch. I need to see that offense. And I, I don't care. I know what I know. I'm expecting. I know what to expect from the bottom half of the rotation. I know what to expect from Perez. He's not going to be an ace. Same thing with Richard. Same thing with Pavetta. They're not going to be aces. I want to know what I can expect from Erod coming off a of missed season and Valdi and Sale later in June. And the bullpen. Those are the three things I need to know what to expect. If I if I can expect good things from those team from those aspects, psh, I'm th- I'm go back and hammer the over on that eighty one and a half win that we did a few podcasts ago. I'll hammer the over all day long if I can expect good things from those parts. But until until then, I'm still gonna hover around that five hundred mark just because I don't know what to expect. And Erod's got to be good, and Sale's gonna be good, and Navali's got to yep. be above average, and that bullpen's got to be a lot better than last year, which. I don't think it's a difficult task considering that bullpen was trash last year. <laughs> um, so you won't, you can't go anywhere but up for that. But I think yeah. they need to go a little farther up, and then you'll convince me. If the rotation all peaks, and I mean, Hauk will still make a good amount of starts every once in a while. When Hauk's he's got to continue that good stuff they did the end of last year. And, oh no, I think, I think it's, last year just shouldn't even count. The Sox are coming off an 84 and 78 win season. Their last season was 2019. Last season didn't count. It didn't. They, they didn't want to hitting. Be... I got some. I got some good. Uh, I got. I have some. I have some good energy going. Good vibes going towards Verdugo. Yeah, Verdugo. But it counts for like a few other. We're seeing guys like that, but like it doesn't count for 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 JD. Like he wasn't. He wasn't able no. to do the things no, he I likes to that. do. He couldn't see his his swing. He couldn't analyze it during the game. No video. Are they doing and, video I mean, this year now? Is that allowed? Yes. Yeah. Why did they not allow it last year? What the hell was that? I don't know. Was that just was that just the MLB just saying you know what screw it this year we're just gonna try a bunch of random crap see if it works probably. They they just couldn't be the in the clubhouse. Season. They they Ron Renicky was the manager. Like it was just Renneke last Cora back. It's kind of Mr. No Challenge. The 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 whole the team this team the team morale will be better. Is it just seems like just the way when I listen to some of the interviews, they're just like you can just tell they're like it's nice like, yeah, that Verdugo likes being here. It's just the whole thing I like, like that. The amount of times I've heard, yeah, people think we we're gonna stink. Like I like we have a chip on our shoulder. Like, no, we're going to be a good team. There's a good bunch of guys. We want to be here. We expect to win. I mean, thank you. That's exactly what you want to hear. This team isn't far off from this team isn't far off from a team like 2013. That team was projected to finish fourth or even fifth in the American league East. They won the world series and came in first place in the entire league in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Other news around the league. Um, there wasn't a lot of notable things. I mean, the Pirates won. That was surprising. Wow. Um, one of the their Pirates, 14 wins on the season. Yeah, I honestly think the Pirates might be one of the worst teams in MLB history. And yeah, I guess I'm ex- exaggerating, but they're going to be bad. They're going to be really bad. And the Dodgers lost. Not going to overreact. Not, they're still the best team in baseball. Uh, but Kershaw sucked. Kershaw Five and two thirds, 10 Kershaw's, hits. He Kershaw. sucked. Was did not have it just I think it's just another such a slow start for Clayton, but I think the rock the story also hits him really well. There's a couple guys in that lap that Kershaw really. No, well. it was it wasn't even story. It was Chris Owings. The heck was oh, Kershaw the opening day starter? Yeah, why not Bauer? Yeah, or Bueller. I don't know. They went with Kershaw. Or Bueller, honestly, Kershaw's they have three aces. Kershaw didn't have the twelve six going. Could've That's what it was. Ball. His twelve six was flat. His 12 six, he didn't have a 12 six going. It was not moving as north and south as he wants it to. The fastball was the velocity. No one's going to have their velocity up for 
the most part, when you get the when you get to the actual flamethrowers, the guy that's going to have Tommy John next year, like Garrett Cole and a few other guys, then the velocity will be ramped up because they don't give a crap. But Kershaw's getting older. The velocity was a little down, hovering around the low 90s like he was at the beginning of last year, middle of last year. Low 90s, around 90, actually. And then other than that, he just he couldn't locate his slider. And that's kind of a pitch that he's been able to locate well, and he's never he didn't locate it well today. And then he was – so you're not able to locate the slider, and – then you're down to three pitches, fastball, changeup, or whatever. I think it was fastball, two seam, and then curveball. And then you're down to three pitches. Then the curveball is flat. So now you're down to two pitches. pitches. And now it's like a fastball and a changeup or a fastball and two seam, and those are two straight balls. Those are two straight pitches. And then you give up ten hits like he did, and you give up like six certain runs or something like that, and you just don't have a fun night for Clayton Kershaw. And that's what happened in Colorado today. Yeah, on the flip side, though, Marquez pitched really well. Um, and <laughs> How about unfortunate luck for Bellinger having that home run robbed by did anyone see that? I saw the I did Bell, not. Bellinger's home run. He I forget who was in left, but he basically hit a ball that was Tapia. Pro, that was probably gonna go out. The left fielder it had it in his glove. Tapia was around Mel Tapia. Yep. He yep. hit it hit off his glove. Um it would have been a tough catch, and then it went over the wall. But Justin Turner, who's on first thought that it was it was caught so he was round he rounded second then he went all the way back bellinger was rounding the bases turner passed bellinger on the bases so then they like the umpires conferred or whatever and they had to call uh bellinger out or or no turner they They called turner Turner, out and a warner out and it was a single single. it was a single yeah something ridiculous like that so bellinger got robbed of a home run which Uh, he should have had which was crown back of the week uh, Justin Turner. Actually, no, back. I don't know. It was tough. But how about, anyways, uh, how about Daniel Bard getting the save? <laughs> yeah, love that. Daniel Bard, love that come man. Back Daniel Bard. Give me, give me Bard. Give, that was the first the, guy that I'd give, ever seen throw triple digits in person. Daniel Bard. I remember that. Give me the Red Sox. It was, it was in awesome. the hunt around the deadline, needing an extra bullpen piece. Rockies will be like a twenty-win team. Give me Daniel Bard. Just straight, straight for Daniel. Daniel Bard. I miss Daniel Bard. And he just, it's just such a good story coming back and then he got the save it was actually a little shaky of a save but he got the save it was he the it was a little Muncie shaky. double right or no yeah. triple it was a Muncie triple it was triple um, I thought it was double whatever I didn't it was a triple was down the right field line it was a little shaky of a save by Daniel Bard but one thing is certain is that he's got that velocity back he's got his mojo back and you know what it, first save of a, a real season not not last year first save of like a real MLB season he's back in the fans are in they're watching the game he's on the bump trying to get the save the Rockies trying to beat the, the rival Dodgers and you know the emotions got to him but I, I'm very happy for Daniel Bard very happy he got yeah, that really save. I'm really annoyed that the game on later is Astros oh, athletics and not I White, watch Jays, White Sox. Angels. I mean Angels White Sox. White Sox Angels not yeah that's a good game to watch. Pitching? It's because Shohei's not pitching, so they're showing it Sunday when Shohei is pitching. Oh yeah, that's the night. That's the um the Sunday night game. Sunday night game. Slated, yeah, so they're yeah, gonna yeah. pitch slow. They're gonna, they're gonna put it out on ESPN when Shohei pitches. I hope Shohei, Shohei gives up seven bombs. Who would that be for White Sox? Who's their third guy Rondone. or fourth guy? Rondon. Mm, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll look. Uh, but other news: the Royals Rangers was a high scoring game. Two teams <laughs> that probably aren't even going to come close to making the playoffs, so that doesn't really matter. Uh, the Phillies went on a nice walk off against the Braves. That's a good um, game because um, Max Fried is a good pitcher. They they played a good game against him, hit off of him well. And then Arenado's debuting in St. Louis. He went two for five, but it was really Goldschmidt going four for five. Um, Flaherty struggled a little bit, four and a third, letting up six runs. A lot of struggling by some really good pitchers mm. today. But cease pitching on Sunday. And Castillo, oh. two. Castillo, three and a third, eight oh, hits, eight gosh. earned runs. Castillo Jeez. was pathetic. Castillo was pathetic. The Cardinals, right? The Cardinals, Cardinals yeah. They jumped yes. all over him. They jumped yeah, that, all over him. I saw a couple bad. of videos from that game. It was just... I saw a video of Tyler O'Neill in the jack off him, and there were a couple other guys. Just it was just a just a bad game for. And then Castillo. and then Kyle he Hendricks might, he might too be that for one the guy, Cubs. Just kind of like a one and done type of dude. Just gets pitched Castillo, well one year, yeah. and then that's it. His but stuff's then gone. Hendricks for the Cubs too. Three. I mean, he only had four hits, but three earned runs, three walks, three innings pitched. Like well, not a good day Jack for Aces Hayes in the first inning. Not a good day. Yeah, Cabrian Hayes hit a nuke, yeah, but uh, not. Not a good day for aces unless your name is Tyler Glass now. 
Um, and Ryu, Ryu had a good Cole. day. Cole didn't. Cole wasn't that bad. He wasn't that. He wasn't that bad. He was he, right. he he had the he had the homer to Hernandez. It was just the, the fit that he threw in the dugout kind hits. of kind of ruined the whole. Yeah, the whole start. I did. He you, got you off could to really tell he was start. frustrated. You could tell he was frustrated with himself. Who started? But, no, Alcantara pitched really well for the ones. Did you say Alcantara? Sandy? Well, yeah, that was a one game. He pitched really well. He didn't. He 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 and Glasnow didn't go up a run. Uh, he yeah, yeah he no, only that's loved how, two that's hits. How you get an hour long game through. Yeah, seven innings. Sandy so Alcantara pitched really well for the Marlins. I'm surprised they didn't go a six though to start, but Alcantara's still a good pitcher. He no, was they would probably. Yeah, I, I don't know. He was an all star last better. year, two years ago. He was. He's every, every team gets an all star, so he was the Marlins <laughs> yeah. all star when Brock Holt was the Red Sox all star. <laughs> what was it? 14, 15, One of those bad that was the years. Year. No, it was, it was the twelve. It was twelve. It was twelve. I. Oh wait! No, it was much. No, it was he much. Wasn't he wasn't Holt there the All Star the year that 14. we had like. Wasn't Holt the All Star the year that like, we had like, like Stephen Wright and like San Diego? 15. And like it was fifteen. It was fifteen in oh. Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati! Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I thought it was the year one of those then, it was the year when we had like 16, six guys in the All Star game. Sixteen was San Diego when we had Kimbrel, Stephen Wright, Mookie, JBJ, yeah. Yeah. Bogart, Bogart. Fifteen. Brock was the only one though. He was the only one. he was the only one. Bennett. That was the year Bantani like barely missed it. Yeah. Oh, you, 15? No, 17 no, was. That was 17. Yeah, that was 17. Yeah, I Benny wasn't even... No, I think 15. No, we were talking... Well, we were talking about 16. Oh, 16. gotcha. Doesn't matter. We don't need to go over more. Uh, MLB opening day. Red Sox are tomorrow, so we'll get some more Red Sox coverage on Monday when they've played a few games. But that's it for the MLB. We have one more thing on the schedule, and I mean, it's coming becoming a routine for us at this point. But it's yelling at the Boston Celtics again, and they are just pathetic. And I can't even speak on it to be honest, because I haven't. Again, I still haven't watched a game since the All Star break. It's just not fun to watch them play. Like I'd much rather have. Like they are in terms of uh, ability to make it far in the playoffs and make the finals. They have a better shot at that than the 2016 Isaiah Thomas year. But I'd much rather watch the 2016 Isaiah Thomas Celtics than this pathetic freak show of a of a basketball team that's going on right now. I yeah, mean, for Fournier sure. is awful. He, I mean, he's played two games, but six points in 31 minutes last night, and then zero in like 28 or something. Yeah. 0 for 10 or something. Yeah, 0 for 10. Ridiculous. It was 0 for 10. Zero points uh, and 0 for 10 shooting. Terrible he, debut. He How had points six points he- last. Game, but Wait, he only took like five shots. How many points does Fournier have as, as a Celtic in two games? Six. Six. He had he had zero in well, his debut. I mean, Andre Drummond. I get. We'll call. We'll split it even because Andre Drummond sucks balls. He also got hurt. Yeah, but, but uh, the Celtics yeah. eleven yeah, for forty-seven from three last night. They also can't defend uh, the three-point line. How many threes? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. And they made they eleven. Uh, they're they're three-point. Are you deep. sure? Are you sure, yeah. Dan? Tony's I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> defending, defending the three-point line Last for the Boston Celtics double is the terrible. Defense, double the offense. Yeah, they, they cannot defend. guard the three at all. <laughs> Luca can just right do now. whatever he play. wants, just at will. Luka, I saw Luka that three from from, from New York City. That was that was that was yeah. dope. Dude, he he did a step back on Tatum. And his right logo. shoulder was literally facing towards the hoop. He was just like freaking went two nights, And two nights before, the freaking Pelican shot fifty-two percent <sighs> from three. Like, wh- what? What is that? How? How is that possible? I think, the if I may, if I may, I think that teams going hot from three in the NBA. No NBA teams don't guard the three anymore. It's just pathetic because the more they guard the three, the further back teams are going to shoot it, and it doesn't even matter. We said, as I said, the last podcast. It's tough to guard three because once you get the shot off, there's not you can't do anything about it as a defender. Like there's no way once he once he once he releases the basketball, that's it. You've done the best thing you can do to guard guard him. And if you get too close, then you foul him and they get flop and they get three free throws to the line. So it's very difficult to guard the three. So a lot of teams are just saying screw it, make him make the three pointer rather than put him at the line, give him three shots and contest it because that NBA rule, dumbest NBA rule ever. Let the player land. It's just his fault for shooting. Let the guy yeah. contest. I like, hate honestly. When defenders don't just jump. Go if you don't want to get hit. Don't then- jump. Yeah, when the def- when the defender just goes straight up and right. then and then the guy pump fakes and then jumps straight into him. Oh, that's Curry, the Curry did, is a king of that one. Uh, Curry did that and yeah, he put, all the, I all forget who guys. did it on, but he his he jumped into into the he defender. Did, he jumped into Schroeder and elbowed him in the face. Straight to the face. It yeah, was a Schroeder. Schroeder. It was Schroeder. And, Schroeder yeah. and they call a fl- and they call a foul on Schroeder. Yeah. 
when it was clearly a foul on Curry because yeah, I mean, and they get an elbow with, to with the, the NBA face. rules with the, with the stupid NBA review things they should review it to a flagrant because anytime someone breathes on someone's face yeah. is a flagrant review. But yeah. regardless, um, they just that that's a terrible rule. It, it that rule forces teams to to um, be tentative when guarding the three because exactly. you don't want you don't want to put them at the line. You'd rather make them make the shot. So as you guys are Celtics fans. You watching the Celtics game? Teams are getting hot from three. I don't watch that's just, them. That's that's a temporary thing. No one's going to shoot fifty two percent against any team consistently. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So there's going to be games where teams get hot from three, and you got to accept that. That's what happens in the NBA now because of that stupid rule that prevents teams from guarding the three. So that prevents teams from guarding the three aggressively, like they do in college, for example. So it's very, it's just it's it's a type of thing where if a team team beats you from three, you tip your cap and say, whatever, it's the hot night. The NBA sucks. When a yeah, team it's a, beats it's you a from consistent two, thing. when it's... a team beats you in the post, when a team beats you from two, when a team beats you defensively down low, out rebounds, you out defend you, then you're saying, all right, that's no longer get mad NBA for having bad rules and guarding three. That's just our team stinks and we can't guard the interior whatsoever. That's a different conversation. But if you're getting beat by the three, that's temporary. It's not. It's not going to be consistent throughout every. It's game. actually not temporary. It's actually, and it is consistent. It is consistent it's because not, this happens a, night in and night out. Then you're just playing. A tough, then you're just playing a schedule of teams that are very three point friendly. No, it's not. That. No, it's they, not. They that's they have a it. lot. They let up a lot. A lot of the wide open threes. I don't they know. are terrible. No, no they're terrible. At, they're terrible at closing out. They're ter- terrible with rotations on defense. Yeah. They leave a lot of wide open threes. Like if you just just to wow. be a good defensive team, you kind of just have to close out. Like you said, Nick, they're probably going to make it. But they are le- le- they aren't even closing out. They are letting up wide open threes. Their closeouts are super late. Their rotations are terrible. They don't know. They they aren't getting a hand up on on three pointers. They just aren't. And then. Um, Ah shoot! I forget what yeah, I was going to say. It's very frustrating to watch. If my Lakers, Lakers they got they got to watch some film on Abilene Christian. I don't I don't remember getting mad the Lakers three years ago when they were terrible because it happened for so many consecutive years that I knew what to expect. But if the Lakers ever did that kind of performance where they shot forty seven threes and then also got beat from three, I I would burn my jerseys. So that's you're in a different situation. The Celtics were supposed to be a top three team in the East right now, and they are scrapping for a playoff spot when they have three guys. And that's the other thing. Uh, all three guys, Kemba Brown and Tatum all uh, had 20 plus. Well, they were supposed to win the West. And everyone got hurt. Now oh, that's super everyone, frustrating. Their whole team got hurt. And then well, their whole team being LeBron and AD. And then I honestly like uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to survive after Monday night because if I have to watch Celtics, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. So I have to, wa- I have to watch the Red Sox. Thank God baseball's on because if the Celtics the were the only stink. thing on, yeah, the Bruins are terrible as well. Stink. Yeah. The, the they're Bruins. surprisingly four, two and one in their last um, seven, which I mean, isn't good, but like, it feels like a lot about penguins it's, today, it's not yeah. two games yeah. below 500. It's not two yeah, games below 500. No. They're they're still a playoff team and they're still a good team. They just have they're inconsistent. I mean, we about Pittsburgh, the Celtics Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh's rolling fire. too. They're yeah, fire. they're rolling right now. So this is the the Bruins because yeah. there's no Pittsburgh team in basketball. But yeah, I if I had to watch the Celtics, I I would lose my mind. I I think I watched like like, I think I watched the last fifty seconds because they were. That's the other thing too. They frustrate me because they're down down twenty. Come back. They're down twenty twenty five super early. That like now now I don't now I don't know what it is because we all thought it was smart and ever since smarts come back. Nothing's changed really. They have they still come out super flat. They get down by twenty plus in the first half. Um, so I honestly I don't know what it is at this point because I thought it was smart. We all thought it was smart, and then smart comes back and nothing really changes at all. Is it Brad? No. I, honestly it might be Brad. Brad, he He just seems too I dull. Don't I don't know. It's uh, maybe it's the fact it's that fault. Boston traded away their center and then didn't no that's not that's see that's i'm fine with that definitely Tyson, they, not they had a three they had three they centers beforehand they had three rotational centers they need to get rid of one i'm fine with getting rid of tice he doesn't do a great job defensively anyways he tra- well, why, again, well he why, tries really hard are they, not effort, effort, they are because they can shoot the three apparently they don't have any issues down low apparently no and they do they they've always been a, i mean their defense can't be that. Their defense is 
probably the worst in the league. Yeah, <laughs> it's not there the worst it is. in the league. I don't know. Maybe they're, higher they're tw- in higher, the twenty range. I don't know. Higher uh, defensive coach. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, higher Thibodeau. So that's just, higher, the that's higher. What's it called? We need, what what, what was it called board. in 2008? Umbutu? Or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Tony Allen. Then Suggs have Tony yeah. Allen then too. Yeah, yeah, they had Tony Allen. Yeah, yeah we just Allen. need a Kevin Durant. Maybe you can sign back Avery Bradley because he's a free agent. No, Avery Bradley won't fix it. He can play perimeter defense. Yeah, he won't. No, I don't want Avery Bradley. They they just need to. We need Jay Crowder. They need that would be good. I want. I can tell you, Phoenix is not getting rid of Jay. Not trading away Jay Crowder anytime soon. But no, we need a guy like that. We need. He looks like Evan Turner. I'm thinking like Evan Turner, but he guess what? He's one of our coaches. So yeah, I know it doesn't work. Uh. Just give me that 2015-16 team, and we got guys like It Turner, uh, Bradley Crowder, Isaiah Horford. Thomas, Isaiah Thomas isn't a good defender. I don't know how that helps him in the shot. But, but he fought every game. That guy was diving on the floor. He was putting up thirty. That's it. Yeah, that's the other thing. The energy you could effort. with that team, you could feel the effort and energy. This yeah. team kind of just goes through the motions, and it's like they're robotic with everything. They don't. Yeah. Fe- it doesn't feel like they're playing. They're just very tentative. Small, and then uh, again, they also they also had two. They also, had two, other, they also had two other great defensive guards in Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. Of co- according to Game of Zones, they are the Spurs of the East. So, okay, they are not. They are not the Spurs of the East. They're the freaking the. Fr- I don't well, you know. You said they were the, robotic, so the Grizzlies Game of, of Zones, the East, the Timberwolves. I no, said, the Timberwolves run very robotic players, and they suck. They need yeah, the, the, to give Isaiah Thomas a ten-day contract. Mm-hmm. Honestly, at this I, point, again, at this point, uh, people aren't going to show up. People what are going to show up just no. because it's only two thousand fans and they want to go to games. But they are so bad. If you get, if they if they put Isaiah Thomas on the tomorrow, floor, not tomorrow's only tomorrow's a take- test. I'm I'm not watching a single Celtics game if they lose to the Rockets tomorrow. If they lose to the Rockets tomorrow, I'm done. I'm not watching a single game for the rest of the season. I am I I'm serious. I, if they make the playoff, I'm not watching them. They they if they lose to the Rockets tomorrow, tomorrow is a big test. I will watch that game. I'll watch because the Sox are on it two or whatever. Same time, right? Two, two ten ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I'll watch the Celtics. And if the Celtics lose, mark my words, I'm not going to watch a, reg- a, a game the rest of the season. That can't happen. If they lose tomorrow, I will be pissed off. I will be as pissed off. But they, they again, they just they don't have the energy. It looks and then that's the other thing. Like that team too. They had a lot of great ball, like ball, ball movement. I love ball movement in basketball. Yeah. It's so awesome. And it gets everyone going. This Celtics it's team is a ISO ton ball, of ISO. It's a ton of ISO. It's a ton of ISO. It's not fun to watch. It's like everybody has to meet their quota. I can't imagine it being fun to play that way either. Like it's just not fun. They're not a good team. There's a possession where each Every single guy was standing outside of the three-point line, and Tatum was just dribbling. And then yeah. the next possession, Brown was just dribbling, and Fournier is just standing in the corner with like his hands in his pockets. Basically. Yeah, he, might, he Dude, wants to go. He, if I'm him, I would want to go back to Orlando. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, it it seems like this team has a quota every single night, and if they don't get it, then they're like they're gonna get in trouble because they, they have fired. to shoot. Yeah, they have to shoot a certain amount of shots every single night. Like, okay, Jason, you have to take at least 17 shots a night. Jalen, you have to take at least 15 shots a night. And if you don't do that, you're benched for the for the other game. Like so, Jalen Brown, he scores 14 <laughs> points in the first quarter and then he just doesn't get the ball in the second. Luke, if yeah, you're not hot. taking 20 shots tonight, you're running. Well, I'm running. I'm running. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. you had to shoot like what seven threes a game. Yeah, I probably met that once the first game. I think I shot nine, and then the rest of the season I might have shot a combined seven shots the entire season <laughs> after that game. And Anyways, it's... every game was a five point game, and you lost. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah, okay. it's not about me. <laughs> we don't dwell in the past. We dwell in the present, and the present sucks for the Celtics again. Yeah. Like I said. If they lose to the Rockets tomorrow, I am done watching them for the season. I might uh, have to. I might have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, me Final too. Thoughts. I just watch the socks. Um, Pats. Go Pats. You, oh, Andrew's like uh, stat yeah, thing. Fi- fi- one, final okay. thought for me: Tuesday, 
The Bruins play the Penguins, the Celtics play the Sixers, and the Sox play game five, 162-game season against the Rays. I'm going to watch the Sox. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. How sad is that? Both what games day is it? Both, no, no, Bruins play the Flyers and the Celtics play the Sixers, not the Penguins. What day is so that, both Brian? Those games, Tuesday. All 7 Tuesday. o'clock games. Three 7 o'clock games, all, well, not the Red Sox, but the other two, incredibly important, and I'm not going to watch them. And then no. Thursday. No. <laughs> What's Thursday? Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, Andrew, stat, fact. All right. So, uh, we were talking earlier about how uh, Gonzaga could probably beat the Pistons, and you said that was ridiculous because a college team never beat a professional team. Um, So, here we go. The Detroit Lions have lost to a college team more recently than they have won a championship. Really? Who did they lose to? (laughs) The Detroit Lions' last championship was won on December 29th, 1957. On August 15th, 1958, the Collegiate All-Stars beat the Detroit Lions 35-19 to in the Chicago College All-Star Game. Okay, so, so that makes sense. Detroit, they beat the Detroit Lions, like, recently. Like, they beat the Detroit Lions almost right after they won the championship. Yes, basically. That was a year after. So they beat a good Detroit... So they beat a, a really good Detroit Lions so, team. So that would make <laughs> yeah. sense. If you got... <laughs> if you got... Like that prominent <laughs> back then. So like they beat a really good Detroit if Lions If you team. got, like... If you got, what? like... If you got, like... Uh, Desumu, Suggs, Timmy, Garza in like Coburn, and like that team would beat the Pistons. But a uh, one single like Gonzaga by itself wouldn't beat off the bench. Like, and Cunningham. Yeah, I didn't even say Cunningham. <laughs> yeah. Like that team would beat the Pistons. That team would be a lot of, or not Mobley. a lot of, a, a, a decent of Mobley. Like that team would be a decent amount of NBA teams, not a team by itself. Cause all those guys are NBA players. So like, yeah, yeah. So that makes, so that makes a but little still, more it's sense. It's a professional but team. Still, and, and the crazier part is that they were one year removed from a Super yes. Bowl. Yeah, and you win. So basically, aren't that prominent, weren't that prominent back then. They didn't have like that much. Yeah. Like, there was so basically, December. You win a championship, and then January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Eight months later, you lose to a college all-star team. Yeah, you bad. probably still have that same roster. I mean, I wonder, like, if you put on the box store box score, like, what players in that Lions team even bothered playing? Like, you know, I'm sure it was. I don't. I'm sure they didn't have like you know whoever their greats were that played that season. Barry Sanders in the fifties probably didn't even probably didn't even bother showing up to play. They probably. I, I'm assuming they played their bench, but even still, the principle. If don't 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 indulge into that box score and everything. Detroit Lions last to a college team eight months after they won a Super Bowl. That's yeah. all we need. That's all. That's all. That, that's what happened. That's all we need to know. Last final thoughts. Second final. Thoughts. Go, uh, go freaking Pats. Go Pats. Go Sox. Shocks. Go, go Pats socks. and go Sox. Go Pats. Screw for the Sox tomorrow. Oh, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Big Four underscore Podcast. We will see you on Monday. Go Pats and go Pats. Go Pats. The Yankees lose.